Good morning. So good to see you this morning. Beautiful day. And uh, thank you, Will, for doing such a good job leading singing. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, we've got some forgiving uh, to do this morning. And uh, because the city did not call and tell me that they were going to turn off our water. But we are in the forgiving business, amen? Amen. And so we forgive the city of Nashville for taking our water away. Uh, And if you, I have to reiterate this announcement, if you find the need to to use the restroom, we do have youth encouragement building across the parking lot open, and their facilities do have running water. So we're kind of back to 1894 uh, when this church was built, uh, but we're, we're going to make it through. It is well with my soul, and uh, so thank you for, for your patience this morning, and thank you for your continued patience through this uh, s- service. Uh, so today will not be the two-hour sermon that I intended for you guys, uh, <clears throat> but it's good to see everybody. We, we rejoice uh, today uh, with our good brother McLean. He obeyed the gospel last week, so we're just proud of him obeying the gospel and uh, glad to see him this morning. And uh, we do have water in the baptistry, so uh, if, if anyone needs to be immersed and baptized this morning, we got you covered. Uh, so all, all is well. We are going to be studying from the book of Nehemiah. And the book of Nehemiah has great import Uh, for our lives. The book of Nehemiah, it's in the Old Testament, and the verse that really got me in the book of Nehemiah was in our lesson text, what we read, Nehemiah 5.19, that said this very simply, Remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. Nehemiah was a leader And and Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, is a study in leadership. And if you want to become a great leader, look at Nehemiah. One thing we can object to, you might say from your seat, is like, well, well, wait a minute. You're going to talk about leadership today? I'm not a leader. But I beg to differ. You are a leader. Every person in this hall, every person in this auditorium is a leader. Why? Because what is leadership? We've got that idea of command, and there are some forms of leadership that are command-oriented. Hey, I give you a command, you do it. If you go to the army, you find out real quick who your commander is, who your leader is. But everyone's a leader because ultimately, leader is more than just commanding. Leading is influence. And guess what? Everyone in this room has influence. Every one of us. And the thing about influence is it's kind of a strange thing. Because it's easier, it's easier to get people to do it the easy way. Isn't it? If you want to influence somebody, if you want to influence, it's easier to influence them to do the path of least resistance. I see it every day. 
It happens in our work. It happens in our schools. It happens in our churches. Leadership, bad leadership, it's easy to get people to do something that it doesn't take much to do. Or something bad, even. I went to work the other day and I found some staff members and they were complaining about other staff members who had not come into work. And guess what their response was that to that? Well, I can do it. Here they are complaining about something. They're complaining, but yet they're being influenced by the bad that they see, that they're complaining about. Why? Because it's easier to be influenced by the easy path. And a lot of times the easy path and the bad path are the same thing, aren't they? And it takes great leadership, great influence, if you want to inspire people to do the right thing. Because the right thing isn't always what? The easy thing. And Nehemiah was a leader that inspired his people to do the right thing. And he was constructive. Don't you think that there is a vacuum in our world of good leadership? I didn't even think about it being 4th of July. But is there a vacuum in our country? Is there a vacuum in our, in our schools? Is there a vacuum in our churches of great leaders? There is. And, the, and this has been a problem. This isn't a new problem. But it's important to have good leaders. It's important for you to be a good leader. Because not everybody's going to do it. And especially not everybody's going to do it right. In fact, in Ezekiel, it says this in 22.30. God says, I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. God was looking for a man. God was looking for a woman. God was looking for a leader, someone to stand in the gap, someone to build, and He couldn't find anybody. And as a result, the people were led astray. Someone once said, everything rises and falls on leadership. It does. If something's not working right, guess who it is? It's leadership. Someone said too that leadership, that the culture of a place, the culture of work, the culture of a country is the shadow of leadership. Leadership is important, isn't it? And there is a vacuum in our world. There's a vacuum in our homes. There's a vacuum in our schools. There's a vacuum in our churches. There's a vacuum in our politics for leaders that do the right thing. And what Nehemiah says when he prays to God, he says, remember me, my God, for good according to all that I have done for this people. For this people. He understood what leadership was. It was for the people. But a lot of people got it all backwards. They think leadership is all about who? Themselves. It's about my prestige my position, my power, and meanwhile, who suffers as a result? The people. Nehemiah, the cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes, was a man after God's heart. He, he prayed in God's will. He prayed in God's purposes. And we need leaders today 
that know God's eternal purposes. Because that's what we forget. A lot, of pe- a lot of leaders today only think short-sighted. They only think about getting through the day. There's a story told about two uh, steamships on the Mississippi River. And these two steamships begin to jockey back and forth about who's got the faster boat. And so as a result, they're heading down to New Orleans from Memphis, and so they begin to race down the Mississippi River down to New Orleans. So one sailor gets it in his mind, hey, I guess I know what we can do to win. Let's start burning the cargo. And so they start throwing in the cargo into the, into the fires, and guess what? That ship ends up winning the race. It wins the race. But guess what? They forgot their, their purpose. The whole purpose was to get the cargo where? From A to B. From Memphis to New Orleans. And yet they burned it all. Over what? Over a competition. They had forgotten. And leaders today need to remember that there is a purpose, an overarching purpose of why we are here and what we're doing. We need leaders with vision. In fact, it says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. When leaders are short-sighted, when leaders only think about surviving the day and don't have a plan, don't have a purpose, don't have a goal that's for the good of the people, the people perish. Nehemiah is a study in leadership. And the first thing that we can learn from Nehemiah is, is the first leadership lesson is, number one, Nehemiah had character. Nehemiah had character. And great leadership ultimately begins with who we are on the inside. And he occupied a position with the king of great trust. He was... The drink tester. And if you were the king, you were vulnerable to intrigue. Because everybody wants to be the king. Or they want another king in your place. And Artaxerxes, the king of the time, his father was murdered. And if you're the cupbearer for the king, you get to drink the juice first. But he hands the glass over to the king. He could murder him, couldn't he? He had this place of trust in the, in the Persian Empire. God put him there for a reason. But doesn't that tell you something about his integrity, his character? He was trusted. And great leaders know integrity. They know character. And ultimately, what is character? It's leading yourself first. And the question is, if you can't lead yourself first, then how can you lead anybody else? If you can't control yourself, how can you control the people? And it begins with self-leadership. Zig Ziglar, guy I like, said this, it's true that integrity alone won't make you a leader. But without integrity, you will never be one. It's that old thing that we call necessary but insufficient 
Yes, integrity won't make you the president of the United States. But if you don't have integrity, you won't be a great one. Right? Integrity is the important thing. Also, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He understood that his life had to be directed by someone else, someone with perspective. And that's what prayer is all about. He says in Nehemiah 1.5, I pray, Lord God of heaven. He was a man of prayer. He was a man that found the solutions on his knees. I like this quote. It says this, prayer is the disciplined acknowledgement that God has better answers. That's ultimately what prayer is. When you pray to God, when you turn to God, when you pray at night, it is a disciplined acknowledgement that He's got better answers. And that's ultimately what wisdom is, isn't it? That we're to yearn for better answers. And ultimately, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. And he also was a servant. He served the king. Before he was given the governorship of Jerusalem, he served the king. And ultimately, great leaders understand fundamentally that leadership is what? Serving. Someone once said this, and I like it. If serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. If you can't serve, then you shouldn't be a leader. Because ultimately, that's what it's about. It's about the people and not about yourself. Jesus Himself said something very similar, didn't He? That whosoever wants to be great among you, let him be what? A servant. A servant. He didn't say stop wanting to be great. He didn't say, I don't want you to be ambitious. No, he said, I just want to redefine what that is. Greatness equals servanthood. Leadership is being a servant. Nehemiah said, remember me, my God, for good according to all that I have done for this people. For this people. That's what great leadership is. Number two, not only did Nehemiah have character, integrity, but Nehemiah had something else. He had compassion. He loved the people. If you look at Nehemiah in his prayer in chapter 1, 3, and 4, he says this, And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was that when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for many days and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. What had happened in Jerusalem is that the city, the city had been invaded years before and had been burnt down. And now Nehemiah was reminded of the shape that the city was in, that it was burned down to the ground and that there were these people that were left behind who were distressed. And when he heard the news, he had compassion. He cried, he fasted, he prayed. Because he remembered his city. He remembered his people. His heart was with the people. He saw their suffering and wanted to do something about it. 
Great leaders truly care about people. Because after all, isn't that what we're about? Isn't that what the leader is supposed to be about? People? Our motivation should be rooted in love. There's a story about Calvin Coolidge that I found appropriate. You find out who cares really quick. Calvin Coolidge was this president who was quiet. He didn't have much personality. He was this quiet guy. And when he did have something to say, everybody listened up. But he was thinking about becoming president. And he went to a party and and the host was saying, that's Calvin Coolidge. He's thinking about running for president. And everybody's like, I don't know about him. He doesn't have much personality. He's quiet. And then a little six-year-old girl spoke up and she said, I'd vote for him. And she held up her finger that had a Band-Aid on it and she said, he's the only one who asked about my finger. (laughs) Out of the whole party, no one was concerned about the wound that she had on her finger, but Mr. Coolidge did. Why do you think that is? Because he cared. He cared. And being a leader is about caring. Yet so many people are motivated by ego, pride, insecurity, fear, power, control. Well, how's the people doing? Nehemiah was a man of compassion. Nehemiah, number three, was competent. Not only was he a man of character, not only did he have compassion for the people, but he was actually competent at being a leader. And that's what you want, right? Competence inspires us. When people are good at what they do, you'll hire them, right? When they're not good at what you do, you don't hire them. It doesn't matter if they're your family member, right? If your family member isn't any good at plumbing, do you pay them to to plumb your house? No, sorry, i got to find somebody competent. And Nehemiah was a man who was competent. In chapter 2, 13 and 18, what he did, he came into the city. He came by night, and the first thing that he did was to assess the city. He saw that it was broken down. He saw the walls. He saw the job that was in front of him, and he didn't have anybody with him. He did it. He assessed it first. And then what he did was he delegated In fact, the whole chapter 3 of Nehemiah is who was doing what in building the city and the walls. And it says that he inspired them so much. It says in Nehemiah 4.6, For the people had a mind to work. Isn't that something? Because they had a mission. They had a vision. They had direction. They knew what the job was to get those walls up. To rebuild the city. We also find in chapter 5 that not only was he about the task of rebuilding the city and to protect the city with the walls, he also found the injustice that was inside the walls, what was left of them. And you see, what had happened was is that when you have a city that's burned down and when you have people who are suffering, there are other people who exploit that. And the sad thing is, is that it was the It was fellow citizens 
It was brothers and sisters exploiting each other, exploiting each other's families, taking advantage of the poverty. Does that happen today? But Nehemiah spoke to the injustice. He fought for the oppressed. He not only played to the powerful, he played to the sick, to the infirmed. And those that really didn't even have a vote. Nehemiah saw the oppression, saw the hurt, and did something about it. Number four, not only was Nehemiah a person of character, a person of compassion, a person who was competent, he was also courageous. Because if you're leading people, guess what? You're an easy target, aren't you? You're sitting on full display. And he had to be a person that was courageous because there was opposition to the work. There were a lot of people who did not want to see Jerusalem rebuilt, especially the neighboring people. And guess what they did? They did all kinds of things. They do what people do when they oppose you. The first thing that they did was mock Nehemiah. Has that ever happened to you where you had a dream, where you had a vision for something to happen, that you wanted to do something, and then what did people do? Did they encourage you? No, they mocked you. They made fun of you. They belittle you. And that's what they did. They said that even a fox can break down this stone wall. Look at the walls of Jerusalem. Even a fox could knock that over. That's what his enemies did. They belittled him. They belittled his work. They also began to spread lies about him. Does that happen? Do people spread lies about people? Oh yeah. They said, oh, he's wanting to set himself up as king in Judah, which he didn't want to do. He was the governor. He was under the power of the Persian Empire. And lastly, they tried to interrupt his work and they tried to threaten with violence. And it says that the people had a sword in one hand and they had a tool in the other. They were courageous. And guess who was right there beside them, it says? Nehemiah. The leader was with the people. The leader was with the workers. The leader was with those who were going to defend the city. A lot of times the last place the leader's at is at the front of the front of the army, right? They're usually not leading them into battle, but there was Nehemiah with the people working and fighting. And lastly, Nehemiah was constructive. Constructive. When you think about the skill that it takes to be destructive, how much skill does it take? We've got a carpenter in the room. And you know what? If he's got a demolition job, he can even hire me. Because I can tear some stuff up. Can't you, Steve? You can tear some stuff up, can't you? I do it even accidentally. I just walk through the house and things start tearing up. But you put a tape measure in somebody's hand and you put a hammer in someone's hand and tell them to build something, does that take some skill? Does that take some knowledge? Oh yeah. 
But yet we have so many leaders today where it's so easy to be destructive, to be discouraging, to be dividers, because that's the easy thing. But being constructive takes skill. What I want you to know today is they built that wall and they built the city in 52 days. 52 days. It was such a wonderful work that the people said this must be God's work. And it is God's work because they had a leader from God and the people of God came together unified and they did the work. What's the lesson for us today is number one, you're a leader. Lead and lead with God's counsel. Be a person of prayer. Remember His purposes and His will. And ultimately, we're striving for unity and resilience. And ultimately, when we come together under godly leadership and and come together as godly people, then God protects us. And that's what the whole story of Nehemiah is, is God building the walls in the city to protect His people. And that's ultimately what His Word is. It's here for our protection. It says in Proverbs 25, 28, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. And when God inspires in us with His Word and with His will, He makes us strong cities. Because the last defense to evil is your heart and who you are. And if your city isn't built, and if your walls of your heart aren't built, there's a lot of enemies that are going to invade it, aren't there? Nehemiah was a great leader. And I hope today that his example will inspire each of us to be the leaders that God wants us to be. God can take a cupbearer and make him a great leader who built the city of Jerusalem. If God can do that, He can use me. He can use you. This morning I want to ask you, are you a Christian? Are you following the person who is the grand carpenter? The grand builder? The one who is building salvation? Who is building His Father's house? Are you part of that? That's who Jesus is. Jesus is Nehemiah times one billion infinity, right? And he, Jesus is going to lead us into eternity. Follow Him. Begin that today through faith. Believe in His leadership. Believe in who He is. That He is the Son of God. Repent of sins. Sin is what destroys the city. Sin is what destroys the walls of our heart. Confess Him to be the Son of the living God. Be baptized into His body and begin that walk with the Lord. And then lastly, become that leader. Paul said, be ye followers of me as I, uh, I, I am as of, of Christ in 1 Corinthians 11. Follow me as I follow Christ. What a great leader that is. Today, if you need prayer, need baptism, uh, we're here to assist you. We're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need at all, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.